This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Inspection is a film that follows a young man's journey through navigating identity, sexuality, and family instability. Ellis French's rejection by his mother for being gay is a crucial moment in his life and the real story of director Elegance Bratton. Homeless, he finds an escape through joining the military and making a life for himself. The rites of passage endured through navigating homelessness is juxtaposed with Marine Boot Camp to highlight the resilience of the rows that grew from the concrete. Vocalos Ayana Contreras had the opportunity to sit with Elegance to hear more about the movie starring Jeremy Pope, Gabrielle Union, and Bokeem Woodbine. This is your debut feature film, right? And it's big. I mean, like, it's kind of like a lot of people's debut feature film is not on this level immediately. It's also a beautiful, beautiful representation of something that's so close to you. You know, there's so many autobiographical elements to the film that might add an extra layer of stakes on you. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's based on my story, I mean, it's tough because, like, I'm always conscious of, I don't want the ticket buying audience to feel like it's so heavy, right? Because there's a lot of levity in this movie. At the same time though, what you brought up is heavy for me <laughs> because when I was homeless, I was kicked out of my house when I was 16 years old for being gay and I spent 10 years homeless. To tell you, and, and mind you, home, to say homeless, to say unhoused is a catch-all term for all sorts of abuses, degradations, erasures, silencing, all sorts of things that you have to endure while you're living as, you know, one of society's untouchables. So when it was happening to me, I really, really felt worthless. I really, really felt like because my mother couldn't accept me for who I am, that there was something wrong with me and therefore I deserved what my life had become. The movie is about triumph over adversity. And I get to say I'm experiencing that triumph over adversity in my my real life. And I'm just very grateful to God that it turned out like this because most of the people I came up with, it did not turn out like this. So yeah, I I have, I always say when I, 20 years ago, I was in a homeless shelter, literally. And I said a prayer for today to happen, you know? And I didn't know it at the time, but God had already said yes. I was already on my way to getting here. So I'm just very grateful. Yeah. So this film, it, it, to your point, it captures this moment when, like, stepping out of homelessness and into the armed forces. It's the Marines. Um, so there were some people there have been people who have thought that this is a pro-armed forces film. This is not a pro or anti-military film. It's a pro-troop film. At every point, when I tried to bring myself out of homelessness as a civilian, I was met with rejection and ostracism. As a Black gay man, I feel like I occupy that liminal space in a supposedly colorblind society one that wants to wish racism away, but one that is also refusing to engage with the specificity of queerness. So you're a stranger in a strange land, ultimately. And I found myself in a homeless shelter at 25 years old. And I called my mom and asked her if I could come back home. And she asked me if I was still gay. Of course I said, yes. And she suggested I join the military. I was 
not happy about that. It felt like she was saying, you could be blown up. I'd rather you be blown into pieces than be gay in my house. I went back to the shelter that night. I took a look around that room and realized that most of the men in that room were black men. Most of them had been in that room much longer than me, been homeless much longer than me. And I had to ask myself if this was my future. My spirit said no. So when I hear people kind of critique the film, first of all, art is meant to be critiqued. And one thing that is ha not that's happening is that no matter how people feel about this film, whether they love it, whether they dislike it, whether they think it's pro-military, anti-military, what have you, everybody's passionate about it in every direction. And that is a dream of every artist. I don't need people to agree with me to feel like I'm successful. You know, I, I think it's important that there is a debate around what happens to poor people in this country. And there's a line in the film, right? Summarize all this where it's in the trailer as well, where French is in the van with his with Rosales, his drill instructor. And Rosales asks him, why do you want to be a Marine? And French says, well, if I die on the streets, I'm just another dead black gay man. But if I die in his uniform, I'm a hero. That's directly out of my reasoning. I had reached a point in my life where a lot of my friends died young and a lot of my friends ended up going to jail. And the thing about it is when you're black and gay in America, one out of two black gay men are projected by the CDC to be HIV positive. Eight out of, we're eight times more likely to commit suicide, eight times more likely to be homeless. Dying young, black and gay, normal in America. It is how it goes. That is the status quo. Untimely, unjust death. My goal as a filmmaker is to bring the audience to a place they can never go without me. There's no safe place for me in the world. And this is not a safe film for you in the audience. This is a film that is meant to spark a conversation between right and left, to bring people together who would never, ever be in a room. And I'm grateful for my time in uniform. I appreciate the fact that like the Marine Corps is the only team I've ever signed up for that couldn't deny me. And, and prior to being the Marines, everything denied me. So yeah, you know, for those who bristle at the idea of the military providing this transformational change in my life, you know, they're entitled to their opinion, but this movie, is about boot camp. It's not about the war in Iraq. <laughs> they're not in war. Right now, they're in a place where they get to actually form intimate connections with one another and connections that they're gonna remember and appreciate the rest of their lives. And that's that's the tone that I chose to tell the story in. Yeah. One of the things you brought up just now was your mother and how she's sort of like a specter over this whole movie yes. in terms of just the, the character in the film, but in real life as well. Yes. Um, one thing that you mentioned when we were speaking last was that she wasn't able to see the film. Mm. Um, and yet at the same time, you felt as though the film itself was like sort of tying up some feelings of, mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about like sort of how this film is in relationship to your relationship with your mother that was never really resolved fully. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, it's interesting you use the word specter 
because from the time I was 16 to the time to the time that she passed in my 40s, um, she was not a real concrete presence in my life. She was at a certain point the negative voice in my head that made me feel like I could never get anything in life. You know, if there's anything I can say to the listeners at home, be careful what you say to your kids because they'll repeat whatever you say to them in their heads their whole lives. And you can really slow up their progress by filling their heads with negativity, you know? Um, and then when I started to stabilize my life, you know, I, I, I guess this question kind of dovetails into the casting a bit, but I, um, I got a chance, I was initially stationed in Hawaii and I got a chance to be restationed in New York and I took it and my mom called me up when I got to New York and she was like, oh, you think you bad? You think you're a filmmaker? Okay, why don't you come to your little sister's uh, elementary school graduation and film her graduation and show me what you've got. I get to the graduation. Nobody knew my mother, not the teachers, not my sister's classmates, nobody knew my mother had a son at all. And that was really, really painful for me. And I ended up uh, in that moment, deciding to become a filmmaker for real now. Like, I refuse to be erased. I refuse to be avoided. You cannot ignore me. I will be on TV. I will be in the multiplex. People will talk to you about me. Which is one of the reasons why Gabrielle Union got the part. Because I knew for a fact that my mother, even if she didn't want to talk to me, if Gabrielle Union is playing her in a movie, someone's going to tell her about it and she's going to watch it. You know? And I wanted it to reach her. And unfortunately... My mom, you know, was killed like a few days after the movie was greenlit. So, you know, I never got that chance, but I'm very grateful to Gabby because she brought my mom back to life and gave me a possibility and access to closure that I never would have gotten from my mom. You know, my mother is the first person to love me completely. She's also the first person to holistically reject me. She was a complicated woman. Thank you being so open with that. One of the things that you brought up um, just now was um, Gabrielle Union's role in this. Mm-hmm. I know she spoke to Vanity Fair and was talking about this particular role. And people have been saying that this is a role that's going to make folks look at her differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's always been a, a wonderful actress, but to really go really push yeah. to capture this character of French's mother um, which in essence is your mother, but obviously there's some fictionalizations. Sure. My question to you, though, is what was her role behind the camera? Because I know she was a a producer, but she was more than that to the making of the film, right? Yeah, I mean, it it was kind of cool, actually, because as an executive producer, she's kind of sitting at the top of the whole business, top of the whole production in a way. So from the logistical side and also the creative side, she's kind of got one foot on each in that title anyway. But then being one of the main actors in the piece, I found her to be really, really helpful. Like she's, I I consider her to be a mentor and a friend because she has so much experience. So not even like, I mean, sure, there was things that happened between us, actor and director, you know, she was very adamant about making sure that Inez was a three-dimensional person as much as I was and making sure that this wasn't like, you know, a revenge piece, right? That we we weren't 
casting her as a villain per se, but more so exploring her complexities as a human being. So I don't want to make that seem slight. That was a major thing she contributed. But on another level, she was looking at the script as a producer and like what can actually be pulled off in the time that we have. And those types of conversations were really helpful to me in imagining, one, imagining the emo- the, the essence of the emotional intent first, but then secondly, the logistics of how that thing will be filmed. And I'm excited for the public to see more of her prowess in that capacity. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, for this particular film, you were really blessed with an amazing cast of characters in general, including my personal favorite, Booking Woodbine, and Jeremy, who was amazing in this movie. You know, I mean, the amount of communication and the emotive nature of what he left unsaid, I think, mm. was super notable. Huh. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, Jeremy's a gifted, gifted performer. Um, you know, when you, when you like, I don't know, it's weird. I remember I was tough bringing up Michael Jackson because people, he's a very triggering name these days. But for me growing up, he was like, the example of what a superstar is and everything else was comparison to Michael Jackson. And you see Michael Jackson on camera talking and he's so quiet. It's like mouse-like, right? And then as soon as that light gets on him, he's like the most famous, vibrant person that you've ever seen. Jeremy has a similar kind of quiet, loud quality as an artist where when you meet him, is very humble, is very unassuming. Like he kind of, he doesn't really, I mean, he's got perfect posture, but it, his energy feels like he's slashing in a way, you know? Um, and then you kind of, and, and that's the tone you're talking through the scenes with, with him. And then once that camera is set up, once it's called action, he harnesses all of the energy around him and within him, and he's literally incandescent. And to watch someone turn that off and turn that on, so effortlessly was just awe-inspiring. It's like the eighth wonder of the world to be in the presence of. Bo King, you know, and, and mind you, with Jeremy, before I move off of Jeremy, you know, Jeremy, like, what was important to me in casting that role was the authenticity of having a Black queer actor playing this role, an out Black queer actor. Um, because, you know, as a Black gay man, we don't often get to be the heroes of stories. We're kind of the accessory to the hero, the handbag, if you will, to the hero. And we live in a world where, you know, for Black gay men, it's, it's kind of hard for us to, to come of age, you know. And Jeremy and I would talk often about what it would have meant to us to have had a character like Alex French when we were 15, 16, 17 years old. So his phenomenal gifts as an artist, his authenticity as a human being, his leadership qualities as the top, he's, you know, he is our leading man. The film is titled The Inspection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in spoilers, but there is a culminating scene where there is a um, military inspection at the end of boot camp. But at the same time, there's a really pivotal moment with French's mother in French mm. Mm. that, f- from my eyes, looked to be an inspection of another sort after yes. this this um, transformative moment that you talk right. about. Um, when you titled the film, what were you referencing specifically? Um, there's a couple of things. As a Marine, inspection is a part of life. Uh, just 
as an example, if you're in your barracks room and say you're a private and a corporal shows up, the corporal theoretically is inspecting your room already, right? Pre the presence of a higher ranking person means that an inspection is underway. Um, and I, excuse me, and I thought that um, it was interesting to me because I grew up in my own version of the National Hotel in my household. And I was always kind of being compared, inspected against other boys and men, right? And I come to realize the reason why I excelled so much in the military is because I was used to the idea of other men looking me up and down to determine whether or not I was man enough, you know, gay, straight, what have you. Like my name is Elegance. You know what I'm saying? Like any room I've ever been to, everyone has assumed that I'm gay. And they're right. <laughs> you know, so that that assumption means that anytime I walk into a room that people are expecting me in, they are inspecting me. They are trying to see if I measure up to the name in some way, shape, or form. Will I be as flamboyant as the name suggests? So on and so forth. In the Marine Corps, the inspection is how you get promoted. It's how you get your rank. It's how you um, qualify for your weapons and all that kind of stuff. So I started to see like this overlap between like, like when you look at it, like from the lens of say like Simone de Beauvoir, who wrote the book, The Second Sex, she says, girls are not born women, they become women. And then it's a socio-political process that informs that transformation. I believe the same thing to be true about men. And the Marine Corps is kind of like, you know, the Harvard of masculinity. And each one of these men in this film, like the movie begins and French thinks, oh, I'm going to fail because I'm gay. I'm going to be the only one who can't live up to this. Slowly but surely as the story unfolds, he realizes, and the audience I hope realizes, all these men have been given an impossible task of being the perfect Marine, of being a real man. And in that space where you fall short, is where your brothers come in and lift you up. So that's why it's called the inspection, right? It's the idea that we are always being asked to measure up to an impossible standard. We're all looking at each other up and down, changing our bodies, changing our minds, changing our language, just so that we can be seen as respectable, just so that we could pass through. I wanted to, to, to evoke that spirit through the title. That was Elegance Bratton with Vocalo's Ayana Contreras discussing his film, The Inspection. It's out now.